Hello and Happy New Year. How's everybody doing? Yeah, awesome. So great to have you here. It is a new year and a new decade. You ever forget your uh, password on your iPad? I think I just did. Uh oh, one more. If I mess up one more time. Oh, we got it. We can have a message. All right. Yeah, so I'm so glad you're here. Um, New year, new decade. And I just want to first just say thank you to all of you. We had just an amazing finish to the year. Um, We had, you know, December is so full for us with the the holiday festival of lights. We get to serve our city. And then we have the jingle jam for the kids and our Christmas series. And then we had our Christmas Eve service. So we had 10 services in four days. Over 7,000 people were here on our campus. And so I just want to say thank you to everybody who came, everybody who brought friends, who brought your family. Many of you served in many capacities. That was incredible. And then we brought church online to you last weekend, and we had over 1,300 households watch that. Probably over 4,000 people got to experience Cape Christian and have some meaningful conversation with their kids and their family, and that was amazing. Uh, And then not only that, but we also do an end-of-the-year offering every year in December because we partner with a lot of ministries and missionaries around the world because we really believe that we are blessed, not just for ourselves, but to be a blessing to others. And so we had almost a quarter of a million dollars come in to bless other ministries and further the kingdom. And so thank you. Just thank you for your generosity. Thank you for being amazing. Uh, I, I, we just, we, we, it takes all of us being who God's made us to be to make this place incredible. And, and we want to continue to bless our city and our, our world around us. And so now when you got in, uh, there should have been one of these sitting on your chair. It's the 21 days of prayer. If you were here last year, we did this. We're going to do it again this year. If you just hold on to this, this is for you. It's yours to have. Um, hold tight to that. I'm going to address this at the end if you didn't get one. Uh, if somebody next to you has one, just steal theirs and say, hey, I'm quicker than you. Um, so, uh, but I didn't realize, so the, I don't know if this happened to you, but the end of the year really caught up and kind of came up on me pretty quick. And, um, and I realized that it wasn't just the end of a year, but it was the end of a decade. Uh, 20 years ago, we were all preparing for Y2K with bunkers and shelters and canned goods. Um, and then 10 years ago was the first decade into the 2000s. And so um, I, I was just got thinking about, man, what, how much has changed in the last 10 years? A lot has changed. A lot is different. I don't know if you've thought about how different your life is or how much has changed, but um, there's a lot of everyday things that we have that didn't exist 10 years ago. Did any of you see on, on social media, Instagram or Facebook, the 10-year challenge? You know, the this is what I look like 10 years ago, and this is what I look... Some of y'all couldn't wait to show us what you look like 10 years ago, and some of you are like, oh, I'm not doing that. I don't even want the reminder. Well, my team thought it would be appropriate if I showed you the 10-year challenge. So this is what Pastor Corey was doing 10 years ago. Uh, look at that young kid, a teenager. What does he know? Um, and the reason I picked this picture is because that's actually Pastor Desi and Scott, who's on our tech team. That was their wedding. And so they get to celebrate 10 years. And so um, that was us 10 years ago. Um, and I promise if you would have told us 10 years ago, like, you're going to be leading a church in Florida and you're going to be the worship pastor, we would have fallen on the ground laughing. We'd have been like, oh, no one would trust us ever to do that. Um, yet here we are in this church in Cape Coral. Uh, 10 years. So 10 years has gone by. Uh, uh, and so I started looking at it like, man, what are some things that we have that didn't even exist 10 years ago? And it's crazy how many everyday parts of life that weren't even, didn't even exist 10 years ago. For example, um, I'm, I'm, it's kind of ironic this happened. iPads, we didn't even have iPads 10 years ago. And now these run our lives, they run businesses, they're points of sales at many businesses. 10 years ago, what did we do without iPads? Also, we didn't have Uber. You had to drive yourself places. Crazy, right? We also didn't have Bite Squad, which means you had to go get your own food. What a, cr- unless it was pizza, of course, because they were way ahead. Bite Squad didn't exist 10 years ago. Um, 
this one is crazy. Speaking of social media, Instagram wasn't even a thing 10 years ago. And now some of you, like, you wouldn't even know what to do without putting your life on the story and, you know, posting your stuff. Uh, Instagram, um, uh, Siri, 10 years ago, you couldn't tell your phone what to do. You had to touch it. You had to reach out and touch somebody. Um, Siri was, a, within the last 10 years, we've had Siri. Um, within the last 10 years, we've gotten 4G and now 5G going series. 10 years ago, we all had 3G and we were going, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? That was what we were doing 10 years ago. We didn't have it. Now, this next one, when I, when I actually had to go back and be like, that can't be right. 10 years ago, the Marvel Cinematic Universe didn't even exist. We had one Iron Man movie. There was no Marvel Avengers. There was no cinematic universe that started 10 years ago. And now we have these 21 movies. In a like fashion, if you're Star Wars, we had the last five movies didn't exist with the last trilogy. Thank you, J.J. Abrams, for the way you finished that story. Well done. Um, and so a lot, a lot has changed. Uh, for those of you who are younger, Fortnite didn't exist 10 years ago. Although if you're younger, you didn't exist 10 years ago either, probably. So um, some of you. Uh, some of you did. <laughs> um, and 10 years ago, Netflix was still delivering DVDs to your home. You remember this, right? Remember this? And, and not only that, but because of this, Blockbuster was still a thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> But because streaming was just a fad and it wasn't going to last. Uh, but when I think about what 10 years ago, it's crazy how much the world has changed. When I think about what the, light, what the world was like 10 years ago, I remember Terminator was the governor of California. Our current president was on a reality show telling people they were fired as The Apprentice. Nothing had yet been lit. No one had yet been woke. And TikTok was just a sound your clock made. That was what was 10 years ago. Yet here we are in 2020. But I, but I want you to think about for a minute, just think for a second, what was your life like 10 years ago? 10-year challenge. What were you doing 10 years ago? Some of you, you've had all of your children in the last 10 years. Some of you, you've gotten rid of all of your children in the last 10 years. You're like, they're grown! Some of you are, are, were single and now you're married. Some of you were married and now you're in transition. Some of you have had great gains and you've accomplished goals and you've seen amazing things. Some of you have had great losses and the last 10 years has marked your life. And, and the reality is that a lot of our lives probably look significantly different now than they did 10 years ago. In fact, probably a lot of our lives look different now than even they did one year ago. Uh, so, you know, there's several people here who weren't married last year, but they're married now. Now, we talked about, if you uh, did our church online with us last weekend, we talked about remembering and, and markers and, and, and all those things. And, and for some of you, if you want to try to remember what was going on in my life last year, we helped you with that because if you were here in the, in the January series, we did what we called the letter to God. If you remember this, we encouraged everybody to write a letter, write out a prayer of things you were praying God for, praying to God for and, and believing for for 2019. And we encourage you to seal it. We, I, I even told you you should put money in it so you can surprise yourself later and keep it for a year and then when the new year turns, open it back up and just see where you were a year ago. See what God did. In fact, Pastor Cindy wrote, no, I'm not going to, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, some of you didn't trust yourself enough, so we've been holding your letters sealed for a year. So if we have your letter, it's, we'll mail it to you or it's in a box in the, uh, in the lobby on one of the tables, not at the Connect desk, but one of the round tables. But it's just a great way to look back and see what was the last year. And, and some of us, these things are helpful because we, we don't remember the best. We, we choose to remember certain things, which by the way, speaking of which, I just want to tell all of you how much I love you and that you are all busted. You're all busted, and you, I, I'm on to all of you, and I have noticed this unbelievable phenomenon in our, in our, in our, in our culture. 
So I go on social media sometimes. I don't post a lot, but I look at stuff. I guess that makes me a creep. Don't care. Um, I'm your pastor. I need to check in on y'all. Uh, I'm like, Lord, help them. You know, um, but I've noticed this trend. All year, I go on Facebook or Instagram, and it is the ultimate highlight reel. Like some of y'all, I'm like, I want your kids. I want your life. I want your vacations. It's like best trip ever, Disney trip, graduation. It's like Thanksgiving was chaotic, but there was one five-second moment where everybody smiled and looked, and somebody took a picture, and you're like, we had the best Thanksgiving ever, and the kids graduated, and he hit the winning shot, and state championships, and got the promotion, and got to retire, and, and like this whole, like, all your lives are like, my gosh, my people, like, my church is amazing. I'm like, I love your highlight reel, and then something happens the last week of the year, and I can't explain it. But I go from these highlight reels and everybody posts the same thing. 2019 was the worst year ever. I can't wait for it to be over. I can't wait for 2020 to start. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, wait, which is it? It's like, I see 357 days of a highlight reel. And then on December 31st, it's like, worst year ever. Can't wait for it to be behind me. 2020 is going to be better. But here's what's crazy. I've been watching y'all for a while. You said the same thing in 2018 and in 2017 and in 2016 and in 2015. So every year you have this highlight reel on social social media, yet it was the worst year ever. Either all of y'all are having the worst year and it just keeps getting worse, or you need to pick one. I don't really care. Just pick one and go with it. Um, but I do believe it's because we, we're, we're hardwired, different ones of us, to remember different things. And I think that's why uh, we were starting this series called Jumpstart. Because here's what's, here's what's true. Whether it's the last decade or the last year, here's what's true. Things have changed. You have probably changed. And so if that's true from last year, if it's true from 10 years ago, I think it's safe to assume that that will also be true next year and it'll be true in the next decade. So one inevitability, one thing that we all have in common is that things and we are going to change. Now, what's going to make a difference is some of us are going to change on accident and some of us are going to change on purpose. Some of us are going to want to have a say and dictate who we want to be and put some things in place in our lives, whether it's relationally, spiritually, financially, or, or whatever it may be. Or some of us, we're just going to continue to kind of take what comes to us. And I believe that while change is inevitable, you can actually be in charge of and change on purpose. So my question is, as we start this first weekend of the year, this first weekend of a new decade, if, if change is inevitable, why don't we just decide we're going to change on purpose? Like, let's, let's change on purpose. Let's be who God made us to be. Let's live the lives he's called us to live. It doesn't mean they're always easy or perfect, but it means there's something, there's purpose in all of these things. And so um, why not? Let's, let's, let's say, hey, if change is going to happen, I embrace it. And the statistics show that 12% of people enjoy change and like 88% don't like. And the 88% of you, you hate the 12% of us. Uh, uh, it's just true. Um, uh, but, but Paul who writes to the, the new church, the church as it started, he was one of the founders of the church. He writes about this idea and he tells us what to do and he kind of gives us a key of how to embrace change and kind of embrace the idea that if I'm going to change, I want to change on purpose. And he writes a letter to this church in Philippi and he says this. He's talking about like attaining like all there is to life. And he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of all of it. He's like, I don't have this whole thing figured out. But he says, but one thing I have kind of figured out, one thing I do he says, forgetting what is behind. Say forgetting. Forgetting, forgetting what is behind. Say behind. behind. And straining towards what is ahead. Say ahead. ahead. And he goes on and he says, I press on. Say press on. press on. Towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
See, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I know that in Christ, in God, there is something, there's a a me I'm supposed to be, there's a life I'm supposed to live, and he has called me to something greater, and so I'm gonna move away from my past and towards what I'm future. Now go back to verse 13, because I want you to understand something. That is a terrible word, forgetting. It's poorly translated. It's not at all what we know that word. In our language, the word forget means to not remember something important. We talked about that last week in our, in our online service. Paul actually is using a, a, a combination Greek word here that has two meanings. And that word forgetting isn't like, oh my gosh, we forgot the kid at the store. I forgot to pay the bills. That's not what he's talking about. Because the reality is, some of you have some things that have happened in your past, this past decade or this past year, you'll never forget. You've had some loss, you've had some traumatic things, you've maybe had some great things, you've had some children, you've adopted children, you've gotten promotions, your business went better. You'll never forget. Paul isn't saying, yeah, yeah, just pretend like it never happened, just wish it away. That's not what Paul's saying. This word, it's epilanthano, and what it has is this connotation of we're gonna intentionally move away from one thing and towards another. And the thing that you're gonna intentionally move away from is something that is past, that is obsolete, that can no longer anything be done about it. Do you hear that? So Paul isn't saying, oh, just pretend your past never happened. But what he's saying is, what good will you do to dwell upon and worry about things that have happened? Rather, make an intentional move to move towards and strive for the things that God has for you in the future. And so what he's saying is, let's, and then while we move away from that, let's move towards this. And so while your past may affect your now, it may may have some impact on where you're at and where you're going, the, the, the reality that Paul is saying and the reality that I want you to know, and I believe there's people that need to hear this, is this. Your past does not dictate your future. Your past does not dictate. Some of you have a past you would do anything to rewrite. And some of you, I believe the devil has had his way in your life enough where he's convinced you because you've only failed at relationships and had this going on and you have these issues and you still have this habit, this addiction, you will, this is what the devil do, you will always be dot, dot, dot. And Jesus says, that's not why I came, that's not why I live, that's not why I died, and that's not who I made you to be. Your past does not have to dictate your future. And I think that God wants some of us very much to know, some of you, this is what you need to get out of this week and this series, is that, that God wants you to know as you start a new life, as you start a new year, as you start a new decade, your past is not going to necessarily dictate your future. It might, but it doesn't have to. Are you gonna change on purpose or are you gonna change on accident? Because your past sins don't define you, your past mistakes don't define you, your past successes don't define you. God has something for you and he has a preferred future. In fact, Jesus said, how many of you can add a day to your life by worrying about what's in the past? Rather, I've given you everything you need for a life in godliness. And so this Jumpstart series is about that very idea. It's about jumpstarting your life, jumpstarting a relationship, jumpstarting a goal. Because again, this is the time of year where millions of people are thinking about and even talking about some of the, 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 the things they want to see change in their life, some of the things they'd like to see improve. Although many people are also full of remorse and regret looking at all the goals they made or the co- commitments they made last year to lose weight or to exercise more or make better financial decisions or maybe um, grow closer to God. And now it's another year past where it's like, oh, here I am again. I didn't pray enough and I'm still not close to my mom and I'm still buying too many things on Amazon and I'm whatever. And, and Paul's saying like, okay, that's the reality. Let's deal with that reality, but that doesn't have to keep being who you are. Uh, it's really interesting, this idea of the past. We were driving around during the holidays, and um, my, for those of you who don't know, I have a daughter. She's almost nine, and she's very inquisitive. She asks lots of questions, like really good questions. And so she, we saw, I think we saw a car broken down, and there was, I think it was somebody on the side of the road on the phone, and she goes, hey, uh, mom, or hey, dad, what did you used to do in the past if your car broke down before cell phones existed? 
Some of you, that's the first time you've ever had that thought. Like that was some of our reality. So we got, we got to explain to her, I said, and we're from the Midwest, we're from Nebraska. And I said, well, if in the past, if your car broke down, one of two things you hoped happened. Either you were lucky enough that some stranger would pull aside, you'd see the flashing lights and they would help you or give you a ride. You'd have to figure it out. You'd have to wait it out. People prayed a whole lot more when their cars broke down 30 years ago. Um, now they just tell Siri what to do. Um, or in our area, you had hoped that the nearest farmhouse was close enough that you could walk and find it and knock on a perfect stranger's door, introduce yourself, have a face-to-face -face conversation. I know, right? I know. <laughs> and go, hey, will you help me? Can, I, can you give me a ride or whatever? And then, even long enough ago, they had a phone attached to a wall, and they, you had to remember the number to call your mom. You couldn't just be like, call mom. You know what I mean? <laughs> And so you had to call somebody who could come help you. It was so inconvenient. And so we were explaining that to her and we were explaining how cars have, have you know, gotten so much smarter now and all those things. But that's what used to happen when you broke down and we were just, you know, we were explaining AAA and all that. But what's interesting, uh, it actually is so funny. We had a family watch our service last week. We talked about, for, you know, I asked the question, um, uh, had you ever forgotten something important? And somebody messaged me back, a friend of mine, she's about my age. She grew up with lots of siblings. There were nine kids, a family, nine kids were moving or were traveling from Minneapolis to Omaha to go to a concert. And um, when you have nine kids, you don't stop at gas stations to go to the bathroom. You stop at rest areas uh, because there's way less options. If you have lots of kids, you know how that goes. And so they said, uh, this was in the 80s. Uh, they were young and they were on the interstate and they got all the kids back in and they got on the road on the interstate to go to this concert and they got a couple miles down the road and they realized they forgot the youngest son at this rest area in the 80s. And so they, everybody's in panicking. They're freaking out. They have to get to the nearest U-turn on the interstate to get around. Well, before they get to that U-turn, a semi comes by them and the little boy is hanging out the semi's window, <laughs> waving at them. It was her brother. <laughs> totally true story. And some of you are shaking your head because you're thinking the same thing. I'm like, that would never happen today. Like that would, how much times has changed? And she was like, I'm so glad that we can laugh about that. Now, uh, but whether you got lost or you got stuck or you broke down or whatever, we didn't have cell phones. Times were so different. But here's what I noticed. What's interesting is we were telling Madison that most often, probably the most regular thing that people would, would break down on was their battery would die. Like their battery would die. And back, back then, our cars were dumber than us. Now our cars are smarter than us. And what I mean is if we left our, the light on, if we left the headlights on or we didn't close the door, our car wasn't smart enough to turn the light off. And so what it would do is it would drain our battery, right? Now we have cars that are smarter than us. Like, there he goes again. He left the lights on. I got you in 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Like, that's, what, that's just how our cars are. Because they're like, y'all got too many things going on. So what would happen is if your battery died, what, what it meant was you had lost power to your power source. And so the reality was this. When your car battery would die, your car actually had everything it needed to get back going down the road. Everything it needed was already inside the car. It just wasn't plugged into a power source and it had ran out of juice. And so what you would have to do then is plug into somebody else's battery that had a power source and then you would hook into your battery, but you would always make sure. Yeah, I know that you didn't think they'd let me play with real electricity on the stage. <laughs> Flame and men, fire and men. Um, so what would happen is you plug in and now all of a sudden the power, I plug into my battery and the power from the battery that works would transfer and get my battery going. It's a simple concept. Now they make these without the cords and all this and no one ever, I mean, very few cars need this. 
But this is so true, I think, and it's such a great picture of what's true in our lives. Because I think some of us, we get to this time in a new year, we get to a new season, and we think to ourselves, I just need to redo everything. I need to rebuild. I need to rebrand. I need to start over. And, and I believe that just like a car, you are exactly who God made you to be. You already have everything in you you need to be who God made you to be, to do what he called you to do, to live a life that's fulfilling, grace-filled, and is a blessing to other people. You don't need to start, you don't need to become somebody else. Most of us, we just, our battery is drained. We left the lights on too long. We've been exhausted. There's been extraneous circumstances. And now all of a sudden, we got no juice because the Bible says you were created in the image of God which means he put himself into you. In fact, Jesus said that, or the, the New Testament says that we have everything we need for life and godliness. And so for some of us, as we think about jump-starting a new year, jump-starting a, a, maybe a new relationship, a new decade, whatever the case may be, rather than go, man, we gotta start over everything. We gotta, no, I believe you have everything you need, but maybe, just maybe, you need to plug into the right power source. So if you're, have everything you need. What do you do when you feel stuck, when you feel broken down, when you feel like you can't get moving? Well, there's a great story in the Bible about a woman who had been stuck for a long time. She had not been moving. She hadn't, her life had not been going the direction it should have been going. And I think it's a great picture that kind of answers this question of what do we do? If I have, okay, great pastor, if I have everything inside of me, then what do I do? I feel like I'm stuck. I, like this season sucks. Like what do I do? Well, I believe that the Bible gives us a picture. Jesus has all these stories that show us what do we do when we feel stuck. And so uh, I want to tell you a story about a woman who felt stuck. And I want to, to, I think we can learn some things from her. So first of all, here's what you need to know. Jesus, this, this story is actually in three of the four gospels. We're going to look in Mark chapter five. But Jesus has just traveled on a boat back to his side of the, of the lake where all his people are there and they're waiting. And so there's this huge crowd around him and they're bumping and they're pressing and everybody wants something from Jesus. And I want to read you this story. And then I want to unpack it a little bit because there's some stuff that happened in that culture that makes this story much more significant than maybe just what the eye maybe sees when you read the story. And so it says this in Mark chapter five, we're going to pick up in verse 24, that a large crowd had followed and pressed around Jesus. And so a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. More about that in a minute. This is really significant. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, had spent all she had, and instead of getting better, she got worse. For 12 years, she had brought her problem to all of the experts. She had suffered and she had spent everything she has. And instead of getting better, she got worse. But she heard that Jesus was coming and she came up behind him in the crowd and touched the, the, the actually it says the hem of his garment or the edge of his, his robe, his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Watch this, this is crazy. Immediately. Her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. There's a whole lot in this little story. First of all, I want to talk about there and then for a minute. We talk here often that if you know the world of the Bible, the, world, the words make a little more sense. The fact that this woman had an issue of blood, that she was bleeding. In those days, she was in the Jewish community, which there were all kinds of laws and rules about being clean and unclean. It didn't mean you were a bad person, but they called it being ceremonially clean. 
And in order to worship, in order to, to go into the temple, in order to even engage in public environments, you had to be clean. Now, if something happened that made you unclean, there were just things you did to become clean and you could go back and get into community and get into society. But if you were unclean, you could not be in the temple, you could not be around other people because you, um, you had to distance yourself from other clean people. In fact, if you were unclean, you actually had to announce yourself as you walked into public and you would have to say, unclean, and every time you walked into public, you basically had to declare to everybody else there, there's something wrong enough with me that if you get too close, I will contaminate you. There was no dignity in it. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. But by law, you were required to declare there's something wrong with me. Stay away. I will make you worse because if you intentionally made somebody else unclean, you would either be put out of the community or the religious leaders would, would, would actually stone you to death because you were knowingly contaminating the other community. So imagine for 12 years, now the problem is she has a bleeding problem. That made you unclean. Well, the fact that she had this recurring bleeding problem, it, she never got clean. So this is a woman who has lived in isolation for 12 years. For 12 years, anytime she goes around anybody who has to say, stay away, I will mess you up, I will make you worse, this is no good for you, I will make you unclean. She has to declare herself. And not only that, but she can't go worship, she can't go to the temple, she can't be in small groups, she can't come to church, she's missing out on a lot of life. And, not, and to make it worse, she's taken her problem to all the so-called experts and spent every dime she had and she's only gotten worse for 12 years. Can you imagine that? Well, I know that some of you can't imagine that because some of you, that's kind of what your life feels like. That you've had this long season and you've taken all your stuff to all the experts. You've spent all your money. You've spent all your energy. You've spent all your emotion and you're still addicted. You still have anxiety. You're still depressed. You still have financial issues. You're three times divorced. You're whatever the case may be. You're like, man, every time I go to the experts, I feel like I'm, ex I'm ex exhausting my resources. Yet here I am and I've only gotten worse. But then she heard that there was this rabbi named Jesus who was declaring to be the savior of the world, who was going to die on behalf of her sins. And he, she, and he was different than everybody else. And she thought to herself, if I can just touch the edge of his cloak, maybe I can get the healing. She was so desperate after 12 years, she would do whatever she had. Now, most experts believe in this story that she would have crawled on the ground for a couple reasons. First of all, when she reached out for that, she would already been down low. But number two, she would have been known in that community. And if she would have been seen in a crowd, she would have gotten probably killed, if not excommunicated, because they knew that she was contaminating them. So her plan the whole time was, I know what I need. I'm desperate. My life is basically over anyway. I'm just going to reach for Jesus. And it says, as soon as she touched his, his garment, this immediate healing happened, what she was looking for. But what I love about this story is it doesn't stop there. But, but, but for some of us, we need to, before we go, the, we'll go there, but some of us, we need to understand in order to fix the right problem, you got to bring it to the right person. Some of us, our lives are like that, our, our hearts, our relationships are like that car and we keep taking it to the wrong mechanic and the wrong mechanic and we keep taking it to these experts and we do all the things. And listen, there's a place for pastors and there's a place for self-help books and there's a place for counselors. I believe in all that, but none of them, none of them, none of them are a substitute and can offer what Jesus does. And the best ones will just help you connect to Jesus, not try to be Jesus for you. Hear that. The best ones will just plug you to the... You plugging into me while I'm plugging into Jesus isn't going to do you very good. But me helping you plug into Jesus, that's what needs to happen. And some of you, you're desperate, like she's desperate, for a new leaf, a new year, a new decade. You're desperate to forget what's behind and move ahead. Well, maybe, just maybe, rather than go to all the so-called experts and go to what everybody else says about relationships and with all the other business guys and, and 
cut a corner to get ahead. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus has always had what you've always been looking for. And in your desperation, if you reach out, he can do more in an instant than all the experts can do in a lifetime. And that's what, that's what this story is. But what I love about this story is it doesn't end there. Because some of us, you would do well to start by going, I got to connect to the power source. This year is going to be about me going, man, I'm going to connect to Jesus. But the story doesn't end there because the woman came for a, a healing. She wanted the bleeding to stop. But here's what I love about Jesus. He wasn't just concerned about her bleeding. He was concerned about all the side effects too. When you come to Jesus, you always get more than you bargained for. Do you hear that? Because watch, her goal was to get healed and she planned to quietly and secretly escape and she would know and Jesus knows. But Jesus, the story doesn't stop there. It doesn't say, and then another time, there's more to this story. In fact, it says, at once, Jesus realized power had just went out of him. So Jesus is getting pushed against and bumped against and all of a sudden he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Somebody just plugged into me. Somebody just Somebody just reached out to me and it wasn't like two people like bumping into each other. Somebody just plugged into my power source. He literally says, I felt power go out from me. And then he turned around and asked the dumbest question Jesus ever asks in the whole gospels. Who touched me? You know, I picture like me and my brother and cousins like, get off me. You know, like, like who touched me? To which the disciples basically answered like, are you serious right now? You're usually really smart and have really great wisdom bombs, but you're going to ask us that right now. Everybody touched you. I touched you. Thomas bumped into me. Him and Nathaniel were fighting. I put, we're trying to keep all these people up off you. She touched you. Everybody touched you. What do you mean who touched you? But see, he wasn't just saying, ah, he wasn't like, who touched me? He's like, no, 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 no. There's something else going on here. Somebody recognizes me as the answer to their problem. Somebody recognizes me as the savior of their soul. Somebody knows I can bring the healing and the, and the, and the dignity and the, I can bring, I have what they're looking for. Somebody is so desperate, they're putting everything they have in me and I felt power go, who touched me? And they were like, yeah, nobody, Lord, go on. But Jesus wouldn't leave it alone. And this is where it gets really, really good. Because in verse 33, it says, Jesus kept looking, or 32, kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Why was she trembling? She just contaminated the whole community. And you never, ever touched a rabbi. You would not touch the man of God. Because, with, because if you were dirty, anything that you touched would become dirty. Okay? Here's the difference with Jesus. When you bring your junk to Jesus, you don't make him dirty. He makes you clean. That's how it goes. And she knew it. He's different than anybody you'll ever meet. He's different than any God there is. He's living. He loves you. And when you bring your stuff, and most of us, we are used to hiding our stuff, keeping it, trying to clean it up ourselves, going to the experts, spending all we have, trying to control it. And Jesus is like, you know, I'm the only one that, like here, like I got that rag. Like I'm the only one that can clean that up. Like I got you. Like, yeah, they're great. And all this stuff's great. But like, don't forget like where the real power source is. And some of us, you would do well to bring your issue, to bring your junk to bring your dirt to Jesus because you're not gonna contaminate him. And what he does then is she's trembling because she knows she could get killed right here in the moment. She could get put out, but Jesus is not like everybody else, thank God. And so he says to her, daughter, that is a term of identity and affection. He restores not just her healing, but he restores her identity. He calls her daughter in front of a huge crowd. This rabbi says, in case anybody's wondering, she belongs to me. She's mine. I, I call her. I claim her. And if you have any issues with anything that just went down here, you can come see me about it. 
See, you have to understand that you have a God that in spite of all of your mistakes and all of your humanness and all the junk you bring, he will cover it. He already paid for it. And if anybody has a problem with it, he's like, I'll, I'll be your like advocate. How about that? I'm gonna send you my spirit. I'm gonna stand in your place. I'm gonna be your high priest. If they have a problem with it, they can come see me. Yes, you're not perfect. Yes, you're a work in progress, but your faith is in me and you know there's only one place you can bring your heart, your life, your finances, your family, your relationship, and I will always clean that junk up because I paid for it once and for all. That's who Jesus is. And some of us, man, can I just be your pastor for a minute and say, maybe 2020 is you just going like, okay, I'm, gonna, like, I'm, I'm exhausted from trying. Like literally throwing in the towel, Jesus, you do it. Like I've tried everything else, relationships, money, I've had it. Some of you have had it all and it hasn't satisfied. Some of you are still chasing it all. And by the way, if you ever get any of it, it's not gonna satisfy. And Jesus is going like, I have the peace. I have the purpose. I have the promise. In this world, you might have some hard times, but I've overcome the world and I'm never gonna leave you and I'm never gonna forsake you. And they may all call you the woman with the issue of blood and they might call you this and you might have that label and that identity and your high school classmates might've known you as this, but guess what I call you? I call you daughter. I call you son. And then he doesn't even stop there. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your dirty didn't make me dirty. Your faith has healed you. And then he says, go in peace. When was the last time she had peace? At least 12 years. So he gives her healing. He restores her identity. He offers her peace. And then he says, be freed from your suffering. See, she wanted healing, but he wanted a relationship with her. She wanted healing, but she also needed restoration into a community. She wanted healing, but she needed a new identity. Because when you bring your problem to Jesus, he fixed the problems you know about and the ones you don't. He wasn't just concerned with the bleeding because the bleeding led to other side effects. And he wanted her to know, I care about that too. And whatever your thing is, Jesus wants you to know, I care about that and I care about all the other pieces of it too. I want to take care of, bring your car to me. Let your car be in the shop. I'll be your mechanic. I know how to find stuff. I'm not going to overcharge you. In fact, the difference between Jesus and a mechanic is Jesus already paid for it. So he's like, just trust me with it. So let me get underneath your hood. Plug into me. Yes, there's a place for all that stuff, but don't ever confuse somebody who points you to me for me myself. So what does this mean for us here and now? Some of us are like this woman. We've tried everything we know. We've given our hearts to the wrong person. We've given our relationships to the wrong person. We've tried, we've tried to do things our own way and we continue to have the same results. Maybe, just maybe this decade. I believe there's new life coming for so many of us. I believe there's something new turning spiritually. I believe there's something happening in this decade turning. There's something happening to those who would plug in and put their trust in Jesus. He's gonna do abundantly more than we could think or imagine. I'm not just saying that. I sense that when I pray. There's things that have laid dormant and dead and dreams that are gonna come alive if we would just allow ourselves to reach out and touch the true power source. And so in 2020, maybe God wants to jumpstart something in your marriage you've never experienced. Maybe he wants to jumpstart a family dynamic you've never had before. Maybe he wants to jumpstart you viewing finances a different way where you create margin and don't spend and get it caught up in the materialism the world has. Maybe he wants to jumpstart a relationship with him that you've never had before that you hear about and people talk about and you get jealous of it. He's like, oh, you can have that too. We're gonna change. So we can change on accident or we can change on purpose. And some of us would do well to intentionally move away from what we've been because our past doesn't dictate our future and say, I am gonna plug into the power source. So what does that mean for us? How do we do that? This is why we as your church exist. That's why we created this, this 21 days of prayer. We were here last year, we did this. The idea was 21-10. What if we spent 10 days at least, or 10 minutes at least a day, spending time with God every single day? This is for you. We're gonna start on January 11th. We wanna do this together. Why the 11th? Because we wanna end on the last day of January. So that's 21 days. 
will end on January 31st. And every day there's a scripture, there's a question, there's a room to journal. And every day, one of the pastors is gonna be posting on our social media just a brief commentary on that day's scripture and just some thoughts to, to guide you. And so we wanna put something in your hands that helps you jumpstart your relationship with God. Because the only way you plug into the source is you have to spend time with him, praying, spending time in the word. Well, this is gonna help you do that. Likewise, we have small groups and Bible studies that are, that are starting in January. Why? Some of you have never joined a group or you've never joined a Bible study. It's a missing piece to your spiritual growth and it's gonna do what you need. It's gonna help you find the relationships you really need, life-giving relationships. We have men's breakfast this Saturday. Why? Some of you dudes, you need to be here with us. It's great men, great food, a great time. We would love for you to join us. If you're high school or older, you're welcome. We'd love to have you. It's why we do what we do. Maybe you need to write a letter for next year, but we have all kinds of things in place for you to help you make this a priority. Men's groups, we're gonna do, like I said, we're gonna do a marriage conference in May. We wanna help with parenting. We wanna give you tools to help jumpstart the areas that mean the most in your life because God has called us to a life that's different than this world and he's given us everything we need. We just gotta plug in. Maybe you're here and you're listening. You've never, you've never even had a relationship with God. You're like, man, pastor, I don't even know what you're talking about. What's well, as simple as believing that everything I just said is true and that Jesus came and lived perfectly and died and he paid a price, not just for every mistake you've ever made, but every mistake you're gonna make. He's not gonna be shocked when you blow it again. And so all you gotta do is make it a habit of bringing your stuff to him and go, hey, can you clean me up, Lord? I wanna do better. It's a simple principle called confession and repentance. Confession is just simply agreeing about the reality of the situation and repentance is turning towards something better. And so if you're comfortable, I would just love to lead us all in a prayer to kickstart, to jumpstart our year to just give God permission and access to draw us closer to him. He's constantly drawing. He wants you. He's not upset with you. He's not holding your past against you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be ashamed. He wants to know you on a personal level. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to speak to you. And I believe if you create some space, some time, some emotional space, God will do so much more than you ever could imagine if you will give him an opportunity. So if you're physically able, would you stand and let's pray together. I would love to lead us in a prayer, invite you all to join me. And we're just going to give God permission and say, I'm committing this year and this decade to you, Lord. If you're, if you're comfortable, I just want to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I thank you that you see me and you know me and you have taken care of all of my mistakes. Thank you for sending Jesus to do what no one else could do so that I could live a life I never could have lived. I want to have a relationship with you. I want space in my life for you. So come in. Jumpstart my relationship. Take me deeper. Take me further than we've ever been. Help me to know you're real and help me to know your voice. I confess that my past has some junk in it. So I'm asking you to clean it up. And now I'm turning towards who you made me to be. Give me wisdom. Give me strength. Help me where I'm weak. I want to press on to be who you made me to be and live the way you called me to live so that I can be a light I can be a life giver and I can be a value adder every day of my life. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your patience. Thank you that you're never embarrassed by me. 
Thank you that you're never done with me. Help me to make you proud and help me to make you famous everywhere I go. In Jesus' name, amen.